0: Hey, I'm Ella Gray, and welcome back to the Key of E podcast. This week, I'll be breaking down Folklore by Taylor Swift. Um, It's been a while. For me, I haven't recorded in two weeks because I've had a cold and I haven't had a voice. So sorry if I sound kind of like nasally or like I have a stuffy nose. Um, But I sound a lot better than I did before. I usually like to talk about like where I was whenever I heard the album for the first time and, like, what I was doing and, like, what I thought of it, like, my initial thoughts, and I couldn't remember listening to this album for the first time, and it took me a second to realize why I couldn't remember. Um, This album came out in 2020, and I started having seizures in 2020. We didn't know that I was having seizures. We, We didn't really know what was going on. Um, We thought for a while that I was that I had narcolepsy, like I was falling asleep because I wasn't my seizures don't look like what like a person might imagine seizures to look like, at least for me, because we were all uneducated and we were all like ignorant about how many different kinds of seizures and different types there are. And so mine, I just kind of looked like my brain was just like shutting off, like I wouldn't convulse or like do anything like that. So, we thought I had narcolepsy um, for a while because if I was super exhausted, I would, like, have more seizures or fall asleep is what we thought was happening. So, I didn't get, like, we didn't figure it out until, like, the beginning of 2022. So, there was two years when we were, I mean, there's so much testing you have to do and stuff like that. So, this album came out, like, peak quarantine. It was, like, during covid we were in lockdown and so me and my parents go to nebraska twice a year once in the summer and once like the week after christmas because our best friends live there um that's the only reason, <laughs> that's the only reason why we go to nebraska i love my friends but there's not a whole lot to do there um so we just hang out at their house or we'll go to like the cute little farmers markets or like stuff like that so we just hang out at their house and so we'd all like been in lockdown and so we were like you know what let's drive to Nebraska and still like see them and just stay at their house and just kind of like quarantine together or whatever because it was basically just like the same thing like we were being safe or whatever and just hanging out and so we go there and the album had come out or Taylor had surprised us all and been like I'm putting out an album I was excited and I was really tired because it was like a whole day of travel and I was really stupid and didn't really listen to my body and said, I'm going to stay up. And so I did. And I was really tired and more apt to have what I now know were seizures. And so I was like sitting and listening to the album. It was like, you know, 1230. I'm listening to it like like, fading in and out, and till this, to this day, I don't really know if I was, like, having seizures or if I was really just falling asleep. Now, I can tell the difference. Back then, I couldn't because we didn't know what was going on. Now, I'm more aware, you know, of what I'm feeling and what's going on, but I'd listened to the album, put my phone down, and went to sleep, and I guess it just kind of slipped my mind that I had listened to it, and I was like, oh, yeah, I wasn't too memorable. Whatever, I guess it's fine, and so I just didn't think about the album. Like, I just forgot that it existed or something, which is ironic because it is memorable, and I would have remembered it if I was in the right state of mind, which I wasn't. And keep in mind that 2020 to 2022 are, like, kind of gone in my memory because I was having, like, 10 seizures a day, so I wasn't- my brain wasn't making, like, a whole lot of memories, and so I can't really remember a lot from those years, so it was just kind of hazy. It was a lavender haze. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. Remember my first, like, little welcome episode whenever I was like, oh, I use humor to bring light to things? I didn't say it was good humor. I just said I try to be funny. It was hazy. <sighs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so whenever the little long pond sessions came out, um, I watched those and I was like, oh, my God, this album is incredible. Where was this before? Like, why did I not remember this? Girl, because your brain was turning off. So then after that, I kind of realized like, okay, this album is so good. (laughs) This is so good. And I'm almost kind of glad that I saw that before I really experienced folklore. Because Taylor told us the stories and then she played the songs. And it was just cool. And I I really enjoyed that a a lot. After that little tangent, I'm going to break down Folklore. Okay, so the only radio single we had from this album was Cardigan, track two. And I felt like I was under someone's bed, You put me on and said I was your favorite. And I feel like before we get into the entirety of the album, we should talk about the folklore love triangle that Miss Taylor has invented she just made up characters, which is so admirable to me because whenever I ran out of things to write about, I'm always just like, well, that's tough. But she, not saying she ran out of things because we don't know, but she really was like, I'm just gonna make up, I'm just gonna make up people, give them a whole life, give them a whole, like, character development. So if you don't know, the love triangle is between James, Betty, and Augustine, and so, um, Betty is the, I guess, narrator in Cardigan, and she's kind of, like, looking back at a past love that she had with James. And um, Augustine was a girl that James had, like, a little, like, summer fling with. They ended up, like, going their separate ways, and so Augustine sings the song August, which is track eight, which makes me so happy because um, August is the eighth month of the year, and I think that's cute that it's track eight. So Augustine's um, narrating August about she's sad that the love that she lost with James and Augustine didn't even mean much to James, but to Augustine, James meant everything to her. We get a closer look at like the other woman, you know what I mean? Like, oh, she's this bad person, but she's not like she's she really was in love and she didn't even really feel like she was this like second choice to Betty, you know? And so then Betty, um, track 14, is narrated by James. After him and Augustine, like, kind of go their separate ways, he goes to Betty, and he's like, I, I miss you, I, I was so stupid, I was so dumb, whatever, whatever, whatever. (laughs) And it's, it's common in the, um, the Swifty community to just kind of hate James. I think because it's relatable. (laughs) It's like, oh, you want me back now? Sorry. It's tough. It's tough, James. (laughs) Um, And a couple people, I've seen some theories saying that um, Betty could be the narrator in The One, which is track one. I can see her being the narrator because she's looking back at a past love. So whether Taylor is singing this based on her own experiences or Betty is singing this, it's just, it's a great way to start the album. It kind of takes us from the vibrant pop vibe that Lover gave us and kind of brings us into this like wilderness, um, enchanted forest that folklore provides for us. And it's, it's cute. It's a great transition and it's a great track one. it sets the tone for the album. The greatest loves of all time are over now. And that's another way to, that could tie into, um, you know, Betty and James or Taylor and her past relationships and how they all left a legacy. Um, but it could also tie into, like, history. Like, we have Romeo and Juliet. You know, that didn't end well. They're dead. <laughs> so all of the greatest loves are over now. In the bridge, um, she says, Resist the temptation to ask you. If one thing had been different, would everything be different? And that's so real because as humans we want to know like I guess exactly what went wrong and like oh my gosh did I screw this up was it the other person what what went wrong and if that didn't go wrong where would we be today it's just the idea of like what if we can't help but think that you know so I could definitely see how Betty could sing that um, be singing that to James but Taylor said that in her head um, Betty and James end up together and I hope that he treats her better if they do. I hope that James realizes, like really realizes it in his soul, that he really did Betty wrong. I hope that Augustine finds a way better man than James. Okay, let's move on to track five, which is My Tears Ricochet. This song is very emotional, and it's an extended metaphor, which I love, and it's really heartbreaking because it's a very visual metaphor. She talks about uh, her masters being sold and her just past being just stolen away from her, and it's really heartbreaking, and even though I've never, you know, had my rights taken away to my own um, art... I feel like we can still relate it to um, things in our own lives or just like people that just completely ruined us and now they're still stuck with us and they're like imprinted on our minds. If I'm on fire, you'll be made of ashes too. If I'm dead to you, why are you at the wake? That's such a great line because it's like, why are you still around? And it sucks because some of the people that hurt us the most, we still have to see. As much as we don't want to, you can't just get rid of a person from your, you know, daily life. You're still going to see them, and it's like, why are you still hanging around if you hate me, you know? When I'd fight, you used to tell me I was brave. And it's sad because she really did, you know, love Scott, even though he, you know, ended up... Just giving away her past like she really did look up to him and she feels like she learned a lot from him and all he could do is just leave things on awful terms. Here's the bridge. Um, very heartbreaking, but it's a very beautiful bridge. when I heard that for the first time and she said, you hear my stolen lullabies, my expression was probably priceless. I wanted to cry and scream. That's so real. She was not holding anything back or at least she hopes that, you know, even though her like masters have been sold, she's like, I hope you still think about it. And I feel like we get to see that more in Mad Woman, which is kind of um a different approach where it's like this is like almost like a a somber um song and she's like sad about it but then in Woman, she's like i'm not sad anymore i'm angry and it's kind of cool it's like a it's like we get to see the stages of grief throughout this whole album and we get to see it more on um evermore and a little bit on midnights which is just very interesting let's go to track six which is mirror ball and in my opinion this could be a track five um as well, because it's very emotional. This song is also a metaphor. Um she's comparing herself to a mirror ball and how um, like a disco ball is made up of like broken glass, and they have to just shatter it and shatter it and shatter it in order for it to glisten in order for people, to like dance around it and to just have like a party around it but it's just made out of a bunch of broken pieces that have just kind of been like put together and it's always in the center of a room it's spinning around and that's just such a cool thing to it's cool and it's really sad because you're like oh of course Taylor's a disco ball like she walks into a room you know that's Taylor Swift you know what i mean but at the same time, you're like, oh my gosh, we all obsess over any time a new story comes out, we're like, oh my gosh, who is she dating? And it's like, it's really none of our business, it, she just happens to be in the news, you know? She says, I've never been a natural, all I do is try, try, try. She's like, this is not easy, I've been doing my best here, so if you think this comes naturally, it does not. And that's really vulnerable, and that's why I think it's it gives off, like, track five um, energy, because it's just so vulnerable. Um, whenever I was writing notes about what I wanted to say in this episode, I was thinking what, like, object I would compare myself to, because Taylor compares herself to a mirror ball. And I was thinking really hard about it, like, what, what would I be, I guess, because um, that's such a unique thing um, to kind of take a daily object that we don't even think about and compare it to ourselves. and I have a couple um I think I would say that some sort of I think I would compare myself to like a match or a flame or like some type of thing that has fire because I I'm very stubborn and I really like justice And I'm very loyal and I like to fight for the people that I love. It usually takes like one small instance for me to just, you know, light up and be all for it and to give my whole heart into something new and just kind of jump right in. And that's good in some cases, but other times it's not because, you know, it's you can't just light everything on fire um, when you get upset, you know, or when you are trying to help the people that you love. Um, and I asked my mom what she would think, like what object she would compare herself to, and what object she would compare me to. And so we were talking about it, and I said I would compare my mom to a cloud because, um, she's always like protecting everybody, and kind of like how a cloud is like always over everything, and she, but there's a lot of times nothing over. A cloud protecting it. And I think that my mom is so busy protecting everybody else and loving everybody else that sometimes she forgets to like um, have enough love for herself. And I think that her love could like represent like her reign. And so whenever she rains all of her love onto everybody else, she doesn't have enough left for herself. And if you know anything about the Enneagram uh, personality test, my mom is a nine and a two. And so she loves to make peace and she loves to help other people. Um, and I'm a six wing seven, if that means anything to you, which is <laughs> the seven part is where I got the, the fire uh, imagery because I'm just always on to the next thing and burning things to the ground. <laughs> so yeah, I encourage you to think about what objects represent you I think that's a really cool thing um that's something that like an English teacher would make you do and be like write a poem about what you imagine yourself to be but I don't know it's interesting it's hard to think about um let's move on to track seven which is called seven reminiscing about her childhood and things that she knows now that she didn't really realize as a kid and she's talking about um, a friend and she loves them and she says although I can't recall your face I still got love for you she's just talking about people that kind of built her and I think that that's really something that I resonate with and I'm always like thinking about like wow if I never if I never met that person like like all of the things that they taught me I really love this song. I think it's really pretty. Let's go to August. Something that I just realized is that um, August, Betty, and Cardigan, the three Love Triangle songs, are A, B, and C. And what's ironic, this might piss people off, I would rank them in that order. August is my favorite, and then Betty, and then Cardigan. And there's a lot of Cardigan stands, and it's a very great song, but that's just how I'd rank them. Um, I love August, it's my favorite song in the Love Triangle. It's heartbreaking, but it sounds, like, happy, and I love those kinds of songs um, where it sounds happy, but, like, the lyrics are, like, really depressing. This is about Augustine singing about her summer with James and how she loved him, and he just didn't feel the same. She was just a rebound for him, which is really heartbreaking. Back when we were still changing for the better, wanting was enough. She says to live for the hope of it all. She was living for the hope of it all. James couldn't care any less. And she knows that. She says you weren't mine to lose. But she was still letting herself fall for him, even though she knew that it probably wasn't going to end well, and it didn't end well. Taylor says in the long pond sessions that she wrote meet me behind the mall in her notes just casually. She's like, oh, that's a cute line. And that's, like, a huge part of this song, and it's so fun to sing, and this bridge is so fun to scream, and I love it. I play this song whenever I gig, and it's so fun, and it's really fun to just yell, (laughs) to just scream. It's a fun song to scream. Let's move on to track nine, which is This Is Me Trying. In the same way that people say that the one could be narrated by Betty people say that this is me trying could be um, from the perspective of James and I think people think that because whenever he says um, I don't quite know what to say but I'm here in your doorway and then in Betty he is standing on her front porch at her party and talking to her so I can see that but A lot of people don't want to believe that this is about James because they're like, this song is so relatable, I don't want to relate to James because because he didn't treat our girls Betty and Augustine very well. But this is a very relatable song, and I really like the Long Pond um, studio version. I might like it better than the um, original album version. I don't know. They told me all of my cages were mental, so I got wasted like all my potential. Oh my god. (laughs) That's so real. That's so... That's very real and relatable as well. Right after This Is Me Trying, we have Illicit Affairs, which is track 10. Mm -hmm. I don't know why but something about when she says take the words for what they are dwindling mercurial high and then she sings higher like that is so cool how the production and the melody mirror the words here listen take the words for what they are a dwindling mercurial high a drug that... that's so cool i love it um this bridge clip is so fun to scream and i've never been anybody's side chick that i know of i don't think i have and oh my gosh when i sing this i feel like i have and i'm like just screaming it like boys you know and you wanna scream don't call me kid don't call me baby look at this god forsaken mess that you made me So me colors you know I can't just puts so much emotion into that like little bridge outro it's unreal and I love this album for that because she's telling stories you know some of them about her like Mirabelle and My Tears Ricochet and some of them are probably not about her and it's like you can't even really tell like if you told me that these were all scenarios from Taylor's life I would believe you because she puts enough emotion into every song where I think it's about her. Let's move on to track 11, which is Invisible String. I love this song. It's really pretty. I like how she says, like, even though her and Joe didn't meet until later in life, there was always little things that led her to him. She's talking about how there's a reason for everything and she learned things from all of her past exes but something you know pulled her out of those relationships and brought her to joe um something wrapped all of my past mistakes in barbed wire that's so beautiful and that's such um an image yeah everything happened and you know it really was awful for a while but now it's in the past and that's evident when she says, hell was a journey, but it brought me heaven. And that's just so cute. And I like the references to all the colors. She says, teal was the color of your shirt when you were 16 at the yogurt shop. Gold was the color of the leaves. Green was the color of the grass. It's just really pretty, and I like that it kind of creates a visual. Let's go to track 12, which is Mad Woman. Mad <laughs> Woman It's almost setting us up forevermore. Again, I'm not in her same situation, but like I feel the fury in the way that she sings. There's normally a reason it's not a fun emotion to feel mad. There's a reason why we're mad, okay? Maybe instead of being annoyed about how mad everyone is, you should think about why they're mad. But hey, what do I know? This album is a no-skip album for me. Um, I do skip Epiphany sometimes because it's very heavy and very sad. Um, So sometimes I'll skip that. But other than that, I mean, this is a no-skip album, which is really rare. Let's move on to track 14, which is Betty, the last and final song in the Folklore Love Triangle. of feel bad for him because he's kind of explaining like I know why you switched your homeroom, it's because of me. Like I wasn't with you with the school dance. Like you all these rumors that Inez is telling you, they're true. I made a mistake and it's like you kind of feel bad for him, but at the same time your guard's up because he's a seventeen year old boy who doesn't know anything. So it's relatable on all sides um by the way Inez, Betty, and James are the names of Blake Lively's children which is super cute and I love that so that's Betty um I mentioned the last week that my favorite Taylor Swift song of all time is on folklore we're gonna talk about that right now and it's track 15 which is peace <laughs> This song is my favorite of all time. Whenever I did the song sorter, a lot of them were really hard to like pick between because I love them so much, but this one I knew would be first um, because ever since I heard it at the Long Pond sessions, I just loved it and I just cried. And at first I didn't really know why I kind of connected with it so much um, because, you know, I'm not in a relationship currently, and so, like, I was like, why am I relating to this so much? This is a very random song to put as my favorite, but I was thinking about it, about why it's my favorite, and I realized this song is about the fear that you will never make somebody completely happy or completely at peace, and I have this fear that I'm gonna be a burden to my friends or my future partner because I'm legally blind and I have epilepsy and I'm just an anxious person and I'm like I think there's so many things that people are gonna have to you know be there for me for and um my friends have to drive me around I can't drive and I just always feel guilty that they have to do that but they don't mind they're my friends and they love me and I love them but it's just like I have this fear that never really goes away that in the future like I think you know negatively I'm pretty cynical and I think like oh my gosh how can somebody love me forever if I can never really give them peace because they are gonna have to you know help me I've got a lot of baggage I'm carrying in that's a very real thing but I just feel like that's such a a thing that doesn't get talked about she says I'm a fire and I'll keep your brittle heart warm if your cascade ocean wave blues come and I relate to that because I am very loyal and I have a lot of love to give and I just love to be there for people but at the same time there's a lot that I can't give um and I hope that that's relatable um to people listening because I think I don't even realize I'm thinking about that a lot but this song is very comforting to me um to think that like hey even Taylor's feeling you know this and obviously like she's talking about like she's always in the spotlight she's always like the media is gonna make whatever it wants to out of her relationship she says all these people think love's for show but I would die for you in secret so she's saying, no matter what they say, you know how I really feel about you, and you know that this love is real. She says, give you the silence that only comes when two people understand each other. And that kind of reflects uh, You are In Love off 1989, because she says, like, you can hear it in the silence. And you can tell that you really love somebody when you're just, you know, sitting around with them, and you can just be quiet together, and it all that matters is that you're, like, near each other. I think this song is kind of summed up in the line, I'd give you my sunshine, give you my best, but the rain is always going to come when you're standing with me. And yeah, it's just very relatable to me. This is my favorite song ever. Um, the She said in the long pond sessions, like uh, Aaron had sent her the demo of like the instrumentation in the back and she just immediately thought, wow, this is so peaceful, but what if I kind of flip it on its head and write it about how she could never give 100% peace? And, yeah, I hope that my explanation makes sense, and I hope that's relatable to someone. Um, that's why I love it so much, and it's just so easy to, you know, think like that, and just to, um, let the anxiety of like what's gonna happen in the future you know get to you but this song really like helps me cope with that i guess so i'm gonna pull up my song sorter i have my top 20 taylor swift songs of all time i have mirror ball at number 16 i have august at 12 and i have peace at number one because it's my favorite ever Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode, and I'll be back next week to break down evermore.